0: Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast, where we talk about investing in real estate rental properties with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here's your host, Dustin Heiner. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's time for the Master Passive Income Show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you learn how to quit your J-O-B, that just over broke job, by investing in real estate rental properties so you never ever have to work a job again. Now, I don't have to work because I have plenty of rental properties. And that's what I want to see you have. And right now, I'm getting loads and loads of questions from everybody from my coaching students to the people inside the real estate wealth builders community. That's the membership that we we have group coaching. And we're also having courses and learning everything about how to invest and getting a mastermind community. We, I'm getting so many calls and so many questions about is now a good time to invest or should I wait? Well. That's a big, big thought, a big, big question, really, because honestly, nobody can really time the market. You're going to be able to see what signs are coming. But what I wanted to do in this show is not to tell you if it's the right time or if it's the wrong time. What I want to do is I want to tell you how to invest where in every time, no matter if the market's going up, if the market's going down, or if it's going sideways, how to make money and that's what i want for this show and how to protect yourself how to guard yourself how to do the business right and not make mistakes because there's so many wrong ways to do this business you can do it so many different ways and those are the wrong ways but there're only a few a handful of right ways and what i'm going to show you today are all the mistakes all the problems all the things that could potentially get you in trouble and help or cause you to actually lose money now I want you also, on top of learning everything in this podcast right now, I want to show you how to do it. I want to give you my free real estate investing course. Text the word RENTAL, R-E-N-T-A-L, to 33777. It literally comes to me, and I will absolutely send you my free course as well. And so that is text the word RENTAL to 33777. Also, I want to say I'm super pumped about how many people Are joining me in the real estate wealth builders community. Now, this is a community where we're all working together. We have a mastermind of all the different people inside the membership. People are, I have five different courses for you to learn from. And so people are diving already into that. I even have the big, big Ultimate Real Estate Investing course, the, the Masterclass, that is also a part of it. People are paying $3,000 for it, and people I have people getting into the membership uh, for a low monthly fee, and they also get group coaching. They get coaching with me as well as the other coaches, the Master Passive Income coaches as well, so it's fantastic. So I'm super excited. Everybody that joined, thank you so much. It is open, so if you go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash builders, it'll take you right to the page where you can sign up for the group coaching, the membership, and the community, the mastermind community, and all the five different courses that are literally gonna take you from beginning where you don't have any money, any knowledge, or any anything to the very end where you have a business that's now scaled where you have 10, 20, or 30 plus properties. Now, let's jump in where we're gonna be talking about the issues and the problems and how to do this business without making mistakes. I was working with one investor recently who was starting and in, in investing in a new area and he was giving me a whole bunch of criteria of the expenses and the, the the location, and all these sort of things. But the biggest question I had for him is, are you sure that this property is gonna make this much money? Are you sure that this property is gonna make $1,000, which you think it will? Now, if it makes $1,000, you're gonna be pocketing about $300 a month in passive income, that's fantastic but do you know for sure that you would get $1,000? How did you come to that number? And they said, well, my property manager said that I should be able to get $1,000. Said, well, I wouldn't take their word for it. I would probably get two or three other recommendations for what the current rent would be for that property. Because the last thing you want is the rent to come $750 is the max you can get for the property. You know, you have it on the market for six months at $1,000 and nobody's renting it and you lower and lower and lower. Eventually, somebody finally moves in for $750. Well, that just ate up all your profit because you bought it too high. You're expecting too much income. Now, the first type of mistake you're going to make is not making money when you buy a property. Now there's a saying that you make your money when you buy a property, you realize the money when you sell the property. Now what that actually means is that when you buy the property, that's when you've made the money. So let's say the property is worth $100,000, but you buy it for $75,000. Well, if you buy it for $75,000, you actually made $25,000 right when you bought the property in equity. So if you wanted to turn around and sell it, you can sell it for $100,000. So that is a good deal on a property that made you money from day one. So that's something that as any type of investor, if you're flipping properties especially, because that's where you make your money, but um, investors that invest solely in rental properties like us, that is also a huge deal because the lower the price of the property, the less money you have coming out in expenses. If you have a mortgage on the property, a $80,000 mortgage is about $50 less, maybe $100 less than a $100,000 mortgage. That's extra money in your pocket. On top of that, if you did sell the property, you would make that money in income because you've sold the property for more money than you bought it for. So you have equity in the property that if you sold it from day one, as soon as you bought it, you sold it, you can make money. So that's the first mistake, not making money when you buy the property. Another mistake that investors come across is buying a property with little to no cash flow. Now, if you remember what cash flow is, cash flow is passive income that comes into your pocket every month. It's not the the amount of rent that you get from the property. Like if you rent a $1,000 property and every month you get $1,000, that's not the cash flow. That is the income that you get the gross income. Now I'm talking about cash flow is after every expense from mortgage, property management fees, taxes, insurance, vacancy factor, so many different expenses that could come out of your pocket. That's all accounted for. And everything outside of that or on top of that is your monthly cash flow. Now investors like us, we invest in cash flow. Buying a property where we make money from day one is essential. But The number one criteria is if we are going to make money every single month. That is how I was able to take a six week trip all throughout Europe recently and not have to work a day. Basically, all the people worked for me and I made money that came in every single month in the form of Passive income now, all the expenses were accounted for, and my profits on top of that came in my pocket, which paid for our, our you know our house, our travel expenses, um, our airfare, all that sort of stuff. so I still have money coming in every single month. Now investors who buy a property with little to no cash flow, what turns out is that you start losing money and money comes out of your pocket every single month. Your goal as an investor is to have money go into your pocket every single month, not going out. So as money comes in, you make more money and you can spend that to, you know, for your ex- life expenses or save it to invest in more properties, which is I strongly recommend. Now if you buy with little to no income, you're actually gonna be losing money every single month where your money's gonna be coming out of your pocket. Now I'll give you an example. If you're only making $50 a month in passive income, well over the year, guess how much money that is? That's only $600 in profit. Now let's say you're making $50 a month, that's $600 in profit, let's look at the entire year. If you have the property not rented for one month and it's currently rented for $1,000, like the rent you should be um, receiving is $1,000, Well, let's look at your expenses. If your expenses are around $650 to $700, that's $700 out of your pocket every single month that goes to pay for everything like we just discussed, mortgage, property manager, taxes, et cetera. So $700 goes out of your pocket every single month. If it's not rented one month out of the year, let alone any other, you know, like if a furnace goes out, you gotta repair the roof or whatever it might be. If it's not rented just one month, that $600 profit is eaten up and then you put an extra $100 out of your pocket. So another big problem that I see investors do is not buying with enough cash flow coming in their pockets every single month. I'm gonna give you a rule of thumb. Basically, way that I say if it's a good deal or not is if I can make $250 or more every single month, not $100, not $150, even $200 is cutting it close. You know, If it's only $200, I would, tend to think that might be a decent property. Let's try to adjust some numbers or, you know, get the price down lower. But if it's under $250 a month, I personally pass. There are so many properties out there that you can pass on a certain property because there are other properties out there that will make you more. Now, it's going to take more work on your end to find a good deal. You know, the good deals are properties that actually can make you $250 a month. But I have um, 30 plus properties that make me at least 250 to $300 every single month or more. I have some properties that make me five or $600 a month because of how I bought it. Because of making money when I first buy the property and keeping my expenses low, I have that much money coming in every single month. Now, I know it's hard. I know what you're thinking is wow, $250, you know, how do I find a property that's gonna make me that much money? I'm gonna say it's absolutely possible. You really need to learn what a good property looks like, how to make sure you account for all the income and expenses and make money every single month. All right, so the next one is overestimating the income from the property. The next problem would be overestimating, just like it was telling you this other investor that i was i've been working with where he thought it was supposed to make a thousand dollars well i literally invest in that same exact area so the areas that he was looking at i know what these properties rent for and that's why when he said a thousand dollars i said wow that's a lot of money i personally don't even see a thousand dollars i have decent properties so i gave him an example you know this one property you're thinking might make a thousand dollars I'm gonna say you'll be lucky if you get 850 for it. So that's $150 taken out of your profit. If you thought you're gonna be making $300, that's 150 taken out, you're only pocketing $150 a month, which is below the cap that we just talked about. So overstating your income. Now how to get out of that is to get multiple people, multiple property managers, multiple realtors, uh, multiple websites, go to zillow.com, trulia.com, go to these other websites that actually give you an estimate of what the rent would be. Now I'm gonna give you a tip too. If you go to craigslist.com and look up properties that are for rent in that area that you're investing, if you say in this one zip code, you know, in a five mile radius, let's look at all the properties. Well, if there are properties that are making eight fifty, and there are none that are making a thousand, imagine you might not get a thousand dollars for that property. So overstating your income will be very detrimental to your investing business because if you overestimate it, and then the next thing is underestimating your expenses, if you do that, you're going to squeeze down your potential cash flow every single month. So, uh. Like I said, what you need to do is get multiple sources, giving you what is a good income. Now here, here's another quick tip I'm gonna give you. Underestimate your income from the property. So if the property manager is telling you a thousand, you're thinking realistically, you'll be able to get $850. I would even say shoot for $800 because if you can't get rented for 850, you're gonna have to lower it to 800 or 825. But if you run your numbers as, and before you buy the property, You say, well, I'm going to put the numbers at $800. If my numbers work at $800, then great. I have a great property. If I can rent it for $1,000, that's $200 extra in my pocket every single month. But I've padded my expenses, or sorry, I've padded my income so that I have the ability to fluctuate from up and down where I'm not going to be caught, where I'm expecting too much coming in the property, but I don't get enough and I start losing money every single month. The next one is underestimating your expenses. Now let's say you have a mortgage. Now you get your mortgage, more than likely that's going to be pretty set because you have your set interest rate, you have your set dollar amount, all that sort of stuff. It may fluctuate 25, $30 here and there. That's not bad. But if you're underestimating your things like your taxes, like the, let's ballpark the taxes at $1,000 a year. Let's just do that. I would say don't. Get your specific taxes because you can go to the county recorder. The city even might have its own taxes. If Even if you don't find all the taxes that you owe. I'll give you an example. In Houston, where I invest I, the first property I bought there, it was a, I made a mistake of not knowing that there was a city tax on top of a county tax. And the city tax was double the county tax. So I literally thought I was going to be making $600 a month. That was cut in half to $300 a month because of the city tax that I didn't know before I bought the property. All that to say, you don't want to underestimate your expenses. So remember, the last one was you don't want to overestimate your income This one's you don't want to underestimate your expenses. Now, what I do is on the conservative side for my income, I bring it down. So if they're saying I'm gonna get a thousand and everybody's telling me I get a thousand, I'm gonna lower it to $900. I'm gonna just drop it by 10%. If that works, if my numbers work well still, then it'll be a great property. Hopefully I'll be able to get a thousand dollars, which would be great. But if I get it for 900, I'm still making money. Now, same thing. You conservatively want to overestimate your expenses. If you believe your expenses are gonna be $650 a month, put 10% on top of that, add another $65. So make it around you know $715 a month in expenses. So you're overestimating your expenses because if your expenses come lower, then great, you have that much money, more money come in your pocket. But if they're over, you have that padding to where you're not gonna be concerned about extra money coming out of your pocket. Remember, overestimating your income, Underestimating your expenses are bad. You want to do the opposite of that. Hopefully, I got that cleared up. Now, here's another one that I find a lot of new investors go through. You got to work really hard to not let this happen. Allowing your emotions to cloud your judgment. Now, allowing your emotions to cloud your judgment would look like this Hey, I'm buying this property. It's nice. I would even live there. It's a great property. And Yes, I've I've spent so much time looking at the property. I'm going to buy it because I like the property. It looks nice. It's the type of place I would want to live in. I'm going to make it nice and clean where I put granite countertops and update it really, really well. Those are the type of emotions that you don't want to have when you're investing. Now, here I give you a huge tip. I look at every single one of my properties and I'm gonna caveat this by saying, I want my properties to be good, good working order, good condition, similar to all the other rental properties in the area so that people are not, I'm not taking advantage of people, these are nice places, but I'm gonna say that you want to look at your properties as I do. They're inventory. It's inventory. It's not a house that you're going to be living in. You don't want your emotions clouded to say, well, this is such a great property. I can't lose it. You know, they want more money. So I'm going to give them more money. No, this is a business. So remember not to let your emotions cloud your judgment to where you think that, Hey, I have to buy this property for whatever reason. If you need to walk away from a property before you buy it, then please do it. Now, a lot of people fall into this trap. Now, the next trap is even worse because once you have the property, having as little money coming out of your pocket and as much money coming in your pocket is the right way to go. And doing this next mistake is actually going to make it really, really hard on you to make money. So, the next mistake a lot of new investors make is allowing tenants to stay in the property without paying now at first glance that might seem like hey that just doesn't make sense you know why would anybody do that well what it comes down to is people start to be very lenient on letting tenants stay in longer than they should and not evicting them as quickly as they should they start taking stories like, oh, my brother is, um, you know, had a car accident, so I had help him pay for his car, or my son's in jail. I've had that many times from uh, some certain tenants. You know, I was like, how many times can your son actually be in jail? I mean, can you tell him to stop being stupid? <laughs> I didn't say that, actually, but it just seems like every month your your kid's in jail, and so you can't pay your rent. Well, So I'm speaking out of experience. When I first started my investing business, I was so lenient on every single tenant. And it's not that I'm saying that every tenant lies, but I get so many lies that I have to assume somebody's lying or every single person, every single story is lying. And a way to get out of that is to put in business rules and business processes in your business so that you know when somebody is not paying, the eviction process starts automatically. I'll give you an example. The rent is due on the first, it's late after the third, sometimes it could be the fifth depending on your lease, but let's say it's due on the first, late after the third, then on the fourth, I give you a three-day notice, and that three-day notice is just a piece of paper taped to your door saying that eviction is going to start in three days. After that third day is up, the fourth day, the eviction process starts without failure, It's gonna start because what that does is it gets your tenants understanding that you're not somebody that's gonna be pushed around. It's basically a business and you have business rules. Now I'll give you an example of how this would play out practically for yourself. Now if you own a home more than likely you have a mortgage on the property. Now the bank says the rent is due on the first or the mortgage payment is due on the first and if it's late we're going to charge you a late fee and if you continue to not pay we're going to have to foreclose on you and take the property back. They have business rules that if it's late after the certain day we're going to charge you a late fee and you're going to have to have more problems coming up if you don't if you continue to not pay the, the mortgage and eventually you're gonna be um, foreclosed on. Imagine yourself as the bank. You are renting your property that you have business rules on. If the tenant is late after the fir- after the third, then you give them a three day notice and a $40, $50, whatever the late fee is gonna be for your property. On top of that, as soon as that three day period is up, the next day that you can, you're gonna file the eviction. It gets that drilled inside your tenant's brain that you're not gonna be pushed over. You know, if you went and told your bank and say, hey, my son was in jail, so I had to bail him out, they're gonna say, oh, sorry to hear that your rents, your mortgage is still due. You still have to pay it and we're still going to foreclose on you. They can't or will not bend over backwards to try to get you to stay in the property. No, they're going to actually start foreclosing on you. Same thing with your business. You need to run your business as a business and make sure that you don't let tenants stay in there any longer than you absolutely have to. So if you need to evict somebody, get the eviction process started right away. Don't wait for any stories like you'll get tenants to say hey I'll pay you in two weeks I'll pay you $200 there on on Friday I'll pay you another $300 next Friday and then the Friday after that I'll pay you the balance of it you're gonna get so many stories well what happens is those stories actually don't play out well where the first Friday comes up they owe you $200 well they skip that they don't pay you there they oh well you know what this next month I'll give you I'll double it I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I pay you $500 this next Friday And while that Friday comes and goes, and they still don't pay you. There's always story after story just to keep them in the property longer. Now, granted, there are probably some really great people that run into issues. Everybody does, and it always happens. I am just saying that you need to run your business like a business. And the reason why I do it is because my family relies on the income that I bring in. My children eat because of the money that I bring in from my properties that my wife then goes out and buys the food and feeds our family. If I don't have money coming in, I can't feed my family. If I don't have money coming in, then I can't pay my mortgage. If I don't have money coming in, then I can't keep my car um, with gas in it and all that sort of stuff. So you want to make sure that you Get tenants out that are not paying as quick as possible and get good tenants in there as quick as possible who will pay. Now, your next mistake that I see a lot of investors make is not saving for future repairs and maintenance. So in not saving for future repairs and maintenance, basically would be not giving yourself a cushion. And here's the cushion that I usually encourage all my students to take that go through our, my investing course is 10% of the income that you that you bring in from the property, the rent, goes into a savings account. Now I'll give you a practical example. If it rents for a thousand dollars, well a hundred dollars comes out of the rent that goes into a savings account. It's still your money, but you're saving it for in case a rainy day happens. You know, actually literally rains and there's a hole in the roof and you have to fix the roof or a furnace goes out. Whatever the case may be, you're saving up money for future problems and issues. And, and the last thing you want is going to go into a credit card debt because you have to fix a roof, you know, spend $4,000 on a roof. So you want to save for rainy day, save for future repairs and maintenance. Now, here's a rule of thumb, because when you get to have many, many properties, um, let's say, you know, I have 30 plus properties. If I kept, you know, um, thousands and thousands of dollars in those properties, well, then I can't use that money to invest and buy more properties. So in starting out, when you have one property, save up a month, maybe 5%, but at at minimum 5%, 10%, whatever you can, save that into a savings account with your first property until you have one and a half times the current rent. So if it's renting for $1,000, have $1,500 saved up in a savings account. It'll take you 15 months to get there, but once you have it, just sit there and let it sit. Now, as you accumulate more properties, what's gonna happen is you know, if you have 10 different properties, I personally don't believe you need $15,000 saved up, you know, 10 times the $1,500. I personally don't think you need $15,000 saved up because there's only so many furnaces that are going to go out at one time, maybe one or two. Um, So my suggestion is, and it also balances off of your risk tolerance, how much risk you can actually tolerate. So if you have 10 properties and you want to save a total of $5,000 for all 10 properties. That's your prerogative cuz you're thinking it's still my money. I'm saving it. I'm getting interest on it. Hopefully you're getting good interest. I go through ING. No, it's uh Capital One 360 is what I go through where I get 1.6% return on my money every single month that's just sitting there cuz it's my money sitting there. I'm making money on it. But I'm holding on to it in case something did happen. It's liquid, which means I can pull it out and pay for something. So I'm going to encourage you to save for future repairs. But in, as your business grows, as your risk tolerance kind of fluctuates up and down, you can have more or less money in that basically that maintenance fund so that you will be prepared when things happen. All right, another potential mistake that you could run into is Not enough quotes for any work done on the property. Quotes meaning you have a plumbing issue. You get one plumber to give you a quote for fixing the property. Well, that's how much it's going to cost. If you don't get more than one, if you don't get two, three, or even four, you can be losing money. I'll give you an example. Let's take that plumbing problem. Let's say you have a plumbing problem. The plumber goes out there and says, I believe it is this. You know, you need to remove the entire main drain and replace the entire main drain because it's so torn up and it, it can't be salvaged. Well, he's going to charge you 1500 to $2,000 for that job. Well, if you just say, okay, I'm going to take your word for it and not get a second opinion, well, you're out $2,000. But what if you get another plumber out there who says, You know, I know it's the main drain that's the problem, but what I could do is I can patch this one section or as I rooted it out better than the last guy could have um, or did, it actually cleaned it out much better and you don't need to replace the entire thing. Here's a $400 bill for um, cleaning it out. You should be good for a good while. You don't need to replace it. That is a way to save money. And I've had that many times where my property manager comes back to me and says, there was this issue, we got somebody to quote us, this is how much it's gonna cost. And I tell them, go get me at least one to two other quotes for that for that uh, job that, you got, that you're telling me we have to do. If it's anything above $500, usually I'll get a second quote. If it's above $1,500, absolutely, make sure you get two or three quotes. All right, and the next mistake I see a lot of new investors make is, rehabbing a property for more than the area is worth. And as I said earlier, you know, if you put in granite countertops in a area of the country or area of the city that granite countertops is a super luxury where nobody has. Well, that's a big expense that costs maybe $2,000, $2,500 to put the granite countertops in as opposed to maybe $800 to have a you know, a Formica countertop or some other type of countertop that is going to be just fine. Tenants are going to like it just fine. Of course, they'd rather have granite, but you're spending maybe potentially $1,500 more than you possibly needed to and, you know, it's, it's very, could be very good. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying you don't want to rehab the property for more than you can get out in rent. Because if you put in $2,000 or $2,500 in granite, your income, how much you could rent the property for is not going to dramatically increase where you're going to get that paid off. It might raise up by like 5 $10 at best. But at the same time, you don't know what the tenants are going to be paying for. They're going to say, hey, these are nice granite countertops, but it might not be the selling point for them. And so you don't want to put in too much money over and above what the current area um, is is dictating as far as rents and what the properties should look like. Because tenants are going to be looking around for other properties. They they might like your property better, um, but you're not going to get that much more money out of the property. All right, next mistake. Not knowing how much the property taxes are. Your property taxes can really kill you. And I gave you an example of me in Houston where I didn't know that they had a city tax, which was obviously stupid me. I should have done a lot more research. But If you don't know how much the property taxes are you can really be hit i was um, potentially going to make six hundred dollars in passive income from this one property even with a mortgage i was potentially going to make that much but as soon as i found out that i had city tax which was double the county tax which was absolutely ridiculous it was like twenty three hundred dollars a month or sorry twenty three hundred dollars a year for the city property taxes that just ate up my income so much i still make money praise the lord i think like three hundred dollars a month on the property, which is going great, but I had not accounted for all my property taxes. All right, another mistake that you can run into is hiring a bad property manager. Now, having a great property manager can make your life super fantastic, super terrific, where you don't have to worry about anything. They run the business and you just make money But hiring a bad property manager will make your life so miserable where you're always worried about the property, you're not making as much as you should, or you're even putting money into the property. A bad property manager is like having a horrible quarterback for a team. If your your quarterback is horrible, you're not going to win any games because you're not scoring points. And if you don't score points, you don't win. Now, a property manager is just like that. They're the quarterback of your team. They make sure that your business, your team is running well from contractors to other realtors to um, inspectors, plumbers, all that sort of stuff. They make sure your business is running well and they also work with your tenants. They make sure that your income comes in well, that you don't have falsified expenses or too too many expenses that you don't need. Um, I had a property manager, one of my first ones that I hired, um, she started stealing from me and I had to fire her really quick. So hiring a bad property manager is, Something that will make you lose money so fast and make you just not sleep at night because your income is really affected. Now I do have my podcast episode 004 is all about what to look for in a property manager for your real estate business. So go there and look to see what type of property manager I would recommend you get. I've had many property managers and some good, some bad. um, And I've learned a lot how not to get get taken. So go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash 004 4 that'll take you to the podcast where we talk all about property managers. Now, back to what we were talking about in the mistakes that you're going to have. A bad property manager will make you lose money. A good property manager will make you help you make money. Now, another one, I alluded to this a little earlier, the next mistake that you're going to come across is not running your business as a business. Not putting your emotions behind behind you and running your business and saying, "Hey, I have business rules, you know, Rent's due on the first, late after the third. You get a three-day notice. As soon as that's done, you get the eviction process started. And not running your business as a business and making sure you have these business processes set up. Now, these business processes would be like what type of paint you should use and use the same color paint in all the properties because you're going to buy... Five gallon buckets instead of a gallon bucks is because you're gonna save a lot of money. And then you're gonna have leftover paint and that you could use from one house to the next house because it's all the same paint color. Things like that. You're running your business as a business. Now, a lot of people who buy their first property think, well, it's not a business yet. I only have one property. Well, I'm gonna tell you right now that you absolutely do have a business. If you have one property, the IRS sees you as a business, so you're making money. As a business, you can deduct your expenses, you can make sure that your income's all accounted for and having depreciation for your IRS taxes, all that sort of stuff. So run your business as a business. That is going to help you save so much money, so much time, and so much of headaches that could potentially come because you're making sure that you're running it smoothly and you're running it well. And the sum up of everything is basically running your business as a business. Next thing is not running a background check on potential tenants. That's a big mistake I found lots and lots of people coming across is not spending the $30 to actually have a background check done. Now, so in most places, you can actually have the tenant pay for the background check. You know, it's an application fee for the background check, and that goes towards a background check. You're not really making money in an application fee. It just goes to pay for the background check. Now, in getting a background check, you're actually going to see a lot about the history about a potential tenant. Everything from their eviction history, what type of credit they have, if they have any criminal, criminal evictions, um, their employment history, where they've lived at. Lots and lots of things that come up on their background check, so you can see what type of tenant they've been in the past, what type of person also they've been in the past, which can hopefully dictate what they're going to be like in the future. Now, if your potential tenants are not going to be paying for those, I have had that where tenants say, well, I don't want to pay that. Well, I personally pay that myself because I found that a $30 credit check and background check and eviction check for $30 is going to save me thousands of dollars, thousands and thousands of dollars in fees and eviction costs and loss of rents and all that sort of stuff so absolutely make sure you do a background check on every tenant that you potentially want to put in your property if you don't do a background check you could potentially going to lose lots of money i'll give you an example so there was a lady that was wanting to move into one of my properties on paper she looked fantastic the application looked great looks like she had plenty of income lived in the same place for a very long time well i ran a background check and i found out that she had actually been evicted four times in the last three years. Could you believe that? Actually kicked out of the place four times in the last three years. Well, I knew I didn't want to be the fifth person in in three to four years. I knew that she would potentially be evicted. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to pass. And in doing that, I found a great tenant who's been in there for, I don't know, it's been a couple of years now. So doing a background check will allow you to see the potential future of a tenant and make sure that you don't hire tenants that you don't want another big mistake that new investors get is they start to become impatient and they think that investing in real estate rental properties is a get rich quick scheme. Now they think they might get rich really, really fast and start making lots and lots of money, which I'm not saying that you can't make lots and lots of money and it can't be fast. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that it does take time it does take patience it's not like flipping a house which is my opinion not investing investing is you buy and you keep things because you invest for future well what people do when flipping a house they buy a house fix it up and sell it well that sounds like a job to me like if you don't make another uh, sale if you don't buy another house fix it up and sell it well then you don't make money so flipping a house is not investing Now, investing in real estate, when you buy rental properties, it is a long-term game where it's going to change your life, where you dramatically are changed, where you have so much more wealth than you ever thought you could because you own properties, as well as you have passive income coming in every single month that allows your family to eat, you know, pay off your mortgage and all this sort of stuff to live on so you don't have to actually have a job. Now, when you think of it as a get-rich-quick scheme, you may become impatient and then do bad deals, ones that you're not making money every single month, ones that you're not getting enough equity in, you're actually going to make bad deals because you want to move too fast. Well, I'm going to tell you, it's probably possible to move too fast in real estate. But it's definitely a problem when that moving too fast actually gets you into bad deals where you start losing money every single month. So real estate is a patience game where over time you're gonna make more and more money every single month and then it becomes like a snowball where at first you're making $150 to $200 a month with one property the next property you're making another $200 so you're $400 a month next property you're making another $200 which you're making $600 a month so it just keeps snowballing and all that money keeps rolling back into your business and that's another one I want to tell you is don't spend all your profits use that profits to put back into your business to buy more properties faster. That's how you can get wealthy fast and get rich very fast is by putting that money back into the business. The last mistake is thinking that real estate investing is a sprint. Like you just have to get there as fast as possible. Well my opinion is that real estate investing is a marathon. It gets a long term game until till the time that you can actually quit your job, like I did a number of years ago where I literally never have to work another job again. So it took me six and a half years to be able to replace my income. But at nine years, I actually quit my job because I realized I had enough money coming in, I didn't have to work. I also didn't need to rely on my, my paycheck anymore. I had enough money coming in so I can continue to invest and buy more properties. I was sitting fine, I didn't have to worry about money anymore. So I thought of it as a long game. So it took me nine years to finally quit my job. But once I did, oh my goodness, life is absolutely amazing. I really want you to get started to implement these things into your business to where you're not going to be making these beginner, these rookie mistakes that almost everybody does. I'm trying to help you to learn from my mistakes. See, a smart man learns from their own mistakes. A wise man learns from others. And so I've already made all these mistakes, so you don't have to. Now, remember, go out and get my free real estate investing course Go and text the word RENTAL, R-E-N-T-A-L, to 33777. I will literally send that to you myself. All right, you guys are fantastic. Thank you again so much for being here. Hope you guys have a great week. Stay safe out there. I'm praying for you. See ya.